This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. I'm Alistair Roberts. I'm the Rappaport Professor of Law and Public Policy here at Suffolk University Law School, and I'm also the Faculty Director of the Rappaport Center for Law and Public Service. And this is the Rappaport Center's podcast series. We're talking today with one of Suffolk Law's recent alumni, Dan Ryan. Dan is a 2009 graduate of Suffolk Law. When he graduated, he also received the Fenton Public Service Award. The Fenton Award is named after Judge John Fenton, a distinguished member of the Suffolk faculty. Now, for the last two years, Dan and his wife, Joanna, have been doing very exciting work in South Sudan, which will become an independent country on July 9th. Dan is presently in Juba, the capital of southern Sudan, and we're talking with him today by Skype. Dan, maybe we could start by having you uh, tell us a bit about what first took you to South Sudan. Uh, after I finished law school in 2009, both my wife and I were looking to return overseas. We both worked overseas for about six or seven years prior to school. I went to law school. My wife went to nursing school. But prior to that, we worked overseas for a number of years. And we were interested in going back and applying our, our new degrees to working in either humanitarian or development work. And South Sudan was a, was a good place for both of us to go and both find opportunities to, uh, to use our skills. And I say that because South Sudan had recently concluded a, a peace agreement with the North that ended their civil war of uh, over 20 years. And there was a tremendous amount of uh, reconstruction work going on, uh, development work and humanitarian assistance that uh, continues uh, today in South Sudan. So we, were, we, we came over here and uh, my wife got a job with Save the Children as a health manager and then Shortly after that, I was able to join Mercy Corps, which is a, a U.S. organization working on local government, building up the capacity of local government to administer the, the government for the autonomous region of South Sudan. And more recently, you've been working as an advisor to the Southern Sudan Legislative Assembly. What are the major projects you've been working on in that role? I joined PACT, which is another organization, about a little over a year ago, and I started working with them as advisor to the parliament. Particularly, I work with the Committee for Peace and Reconciliation. You know, after Sudan's long history of conflict, the first civil war began at independence in 1956 and ran for 20 years, and then the second civil war ran for another 20 years. So there was a tremendous uh, amount of violence, past grievances, uh, deep-rooted structural violence that all has to be overcome if South Sudan is to become a peaceful country. So I work with this Committee on Peace and Reconciliation to look at various uh, policy issues related to peace building, conflict resolution, and um, reconciliation processes. I also work at the Ministry of Peace, which is the ministry on the executive side of the government, which is tasked with implementing peace programs. And what this really means in practice is looking at uh, supporting kind of grassroots dispute resolution processes that are mediated by uh, community leaders and elders, so providing support for that, providing uh, support to community leaders and political leaders who serve to prevent conflicts or at least to intervene and try to resolve conflicts when they arise. And then looking kind of at the, at the macro level, looking at the long-term processes that are going to be needed to make South Sudan an inclusive society where no one is discriminated against. So it's big challenges. It's uh, very interesting work, to say the least. And uh, it's, it's been very rewarding over the past year. Yeah, and uh, it's been a real honor for me to, to be a part of it so far. 
What's been the most uh, surprising thing for you since your arrival in South Sudan, the most interesting uh, thing that you've learned in the course of your work? There's been a number of very interesting events that have happened, and I've been very happy to be a part of it. Um, the elections happened last April when I first joined PACT, working in this role with the parliament. Uh, this is like the first elections that Sudan had had in 25 years. Preparing for the elections, I was involved a little bit in the, in the lead-up, and then after the elections, there was... Um, you know, quite a lot of political differences that arose. So working on kind of trying to smooth out those political differences. Working with new members of parliament, the parliament, previous parliament had been appointed after the elections. There was a 70% turnover. So the voters were really dissatisfied with their prior MPs. And now they elected this whole new batch of freshman politicians, freshman MPs. So working with them to help get them oriented to the parliamentary processes help build up their understanding of the, the Constitution and the way that the laws function in South Sudan. And now, uh, a year later, working with them on more complex issues related to the, the budget, and, then, and now, today, we're working on the transitional Constitution. And I think today, working on the transitional Constitution is definitely the, the high point in my work here in South Sudan. The Constitution was drafted by a very small group of about 54 people in a very much a closed door process. And really, you know, from a peace building and conflict prevention point of view, what we try to uh, encourage is more participatory and democratic processes and something as important as the constitution. And so with the parliament, the parliament's really taking that idea to heart and has called a lot of public consultations and they're proposing a lot of major amendments to the constitution. And I've been uh, very fortunate to be able to provide technical support to the parliament, to committees in parliament, looking at how they can make the Constitution more sensitive to the many diverse groups that are within South Sudan. If they don't do that, you know, there's a risk that the Constitution could be actually a divisive uh, instrument in South Sudan and actually lead to more problems than solutions. So trying to avert that, I'm working with the Parliament now to, uh, to make it more what we call conflict-sensitive and also to be uh, more respectful of the diverse uh, interests of all the different parties in South Sudan. And I know that while you've been working in uh, South Sudan, you've also been supporting our pro bono program here at Suffolk. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I've had uh, great assistance from former 3L student Logan Kincello. He just graduated this year. Logan and I have been working on a project. Uh, it's actually been Logan's been working. He's been doing all the work looking at oil uh, and how oil is a driver of conflict here in South Sudan. Oil was one of the major factors which allowed the most recent civil war to continue for for much longer than it should have and today still oil is a is a root cause of conflict it leads to uh, displacement there's a uh, human rights abuses associated with the exploitation and, and development of oil resources it's led to environmental degradation disease and health issues so what we're looking at is what Logan's been doing research on is comparative analysis of other countries and how they've used their oil resources for positive development and to promote peace. And also looking specifically at what are some of the dispute resolution processes that can be used between the communities, the corporations, and the government uh, to prevent conflicts from arising. And when conflicts do arise, looking at what are the different remedies available to communities um, in terms of compensation and restitution as, as other wills, uh, civil and criminal penalties. So Logan's done a great job at analyzing different uh, systems and we have some field research that was done here by our partners in South Sudan and putting it all together. And right now what we're doing is sharing that, this policy brief that he's written 
which includes different legislative and policy options, sharing that with the Ministry for Energy and Mining here, as well as working within the Parliament with the Committee for Oil Resources to see if we can um, offer them different options that they could consider and adopt to ensure that the oil development here in South Sudan is a, is a peaceful process and not one which fuels further conflict. Now, Dan, as we're speaking, we're only a few days away from the formal independence date of July 9th. What's the mood in the capital right now? One of a tremendous celebration. The preparations are, are going around 24 hours a day. They're, they're really excited. Everybody's really excited. It's not every day that a new country is born. There'll be 30 heads of state coming to Juba to you know, applaud the new country. There are trees being planted all over town. Everybody's excited. It's all everybody's talking about is Independence Day, which is great because they fought long and hard for independence. Uh, the people voted in a referendum. So it's truly uh, uh, you know, an expression of self-determination of the people. Uh, the challenge will be on July 10th when everybody has to go back to work and actually uh, in this new nation, the, the newest nation, to join the international community and try to stand up the nation to, uh, to meet the needs of the people. And what do you think is going to be the biggest policy problem that the legislators are going to have to work on uh, after independence? What's going to be at the top of their agenda on July 10th? That, that's a good question. It's, it's hard to pick just one policy question, but obviously the security situation is, is probably the prevailing situation. At present, there are a number of insurgencies throughout southern Sudan. There's uh, ongoing conflicts along the border. There's the presence of the, the Lord's Resistance Army, which is uh, this infamous uh, terrorist group or insurgency from Uganda, which now has been pushed out of Uganda and into South Sudan. So South Sudan is really uh, has a number of conflicts, violent conflicts, which are undermining the stability of the state. Uh, however, the, the way, I think, looking at different ways to address these security issues, it's been, so far, they've been, there's, the military has been the main tool for resolving these conflicts, and that really hasn't proven to be as effective as people hoped. So I think looking more holistically at what are some of the root causes of the conflict and what are some of the, you know, the, the many different options that can be applied to resolve them by supporting communities, supporting local government, trying to provide alternatives to, uh, for young, for youth, uh, providing alternatives to joining a militia and instead maybe giving them opportunities for work or education, supporting infrastructure development and provision of basic services. That's, that's going to be a challenge. The, the government was voted in on this platform of independence and getting independence, and they're going to deliver that on July 9th. But after that, the government's platform is, is really going to be about security and basic service delivery. And it's going to be a big challenge to, to meet, to fulfill those promises to the people. But on the other hand, there's a tremendous amount of goodwill uh, from the international community, from organizations uh, like PACT and like Mercy Corps and like other organizations working here in South Sudan to, to support the government to stand up and be a, a nation that provides for its people. Well, Dan, thanks very much for talking with us today and enjoy Independence Day. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.